This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Shopping in the LCS for bad books, baby, yeah. What do you, what do you think I saw? Thousand trades can't tell good ones from bad. Someone, please, would you help? Help me learn the score. And you know how it is. So I went to download that book for beginners. Where the cool kids go now. Chris and Jerry make a book's mine. Hello, and welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 217. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is Birds of Prey, The Death of Oracle. So, Chris, tell us about this book. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, something I'm not quite familiar with. Uh, oh. We had, uh, before the show, it was uh, Bat Books Mountain Hop, yes? <laughs> yes, yep. Uh, Zeppelin song, Misty Mountain Hop. Thank you. Thank you. My gosh. Applause, applause. Thank you. Thank you. Well, great. Hello, Bat fans. Thank you very much for spending some of your day with us today. Now, my copy of Batman number 188 is getting rebagged, so today we're covering <laughs> Birds of Prey, Death of Oracle. Birds of Prey, Death of Oracle is a 200-page, full-color, softcover trade paperback that was published in October 2012 and had an original cover price of $16.99, and it appears to have only gone through one printing. A hardcover version exists that was published in October 2011, and that was cover priced at $22.99, with the same page count. This book collects Birds of Prey, the second series, issue numbers 7 through 13, which were cover dated February 2011 through August 2011, and each individual issue was cover priced at $2.99 respectively. Ah, the good old days. Hmm. <laughs> if you wish to obtain the material that we're covering today, either hunting down the original issues which online vendors have for around double the cover price, or getting this digitally, DC has this online for $11.99, and Comixology for $12.99 may be the cheaper routes to go. The hardcover and trade paperback versions of this material appears to go from the mid-$30 range to the high $50 range, mm. nearing $60, yeah. Okay, for our creative team, I'll go off online resources and my memory. We have multiple creators on this one, so let's break it down issue by issue. Each issue was written by Gail Simone, but we have a lot of different artists here. Issue number seven had art provided by Ardian Saif. 
Uh, for issue number eight, we had art by Gillen March. For issues nine and ten, we had art by Anaka Miranda. For issue number eleven, we had art by Pere Perez. For issue number twelve, we had art by uh, Jesus Seiss. And finally, for issue number thirteen, we have art by Diego Olmos. Writer Gail Simone was born and raised in Oregon, a former hairdresser who studied theater in college. Hey, so did I. Simone first came to fan attention through Women in Refrigerators, a website founded in 1999 by a small group of comics fans, including Simone, in response to a scene in Green Lantern number 54, in which the titular hero's girlfriend, Alexandra DeWitt, was murdered and her corpse shoved in a refrigerator for the hero to find. The site was dedicated to identifying female superheroes who had been killed, raped, or otherwise suffered traumatic indignities as a plot device for a male character. The, so- the site brought her into contact with many people working in the comics industry. Her column, You'll All Be Sorry, appeared weekly on the Comic Book Resources website. Topics range from short satirical summaries to comic books, condensed comic classics, to fan fiction parodies. She broke in at Bongo Comics' The Simpsons title, then Marvel Comics' Deadpool, where I probably first encountered her work. After that, DC Comics' Birds of Prey title in 2003, beginning with issue number 56. Hmm. Other credits include The Secret Six, Wonder Woman, Red Sonja, and Batgirl. More current works include Marvel Comics' Hot Shots and the DC 100-page giant Flash issues that were originally available at Walmart, which I read and I really liked. Hmm. She can be found on Twitter at Gil Simone. Artist Ardian Saif is from Indonesia and has worked for DC and Marvel. Uh, that name may ring a bell. Mm. Uh, I'll put it as concise as Comic Vine did. While uh, Saif was employed at Marvel, he inserted several anti-Christian and anti-Jewish references into the background art of X-Men Gold Number 1 in support of Islamic protests in Jakarta against the Christian governor. When this came to light, Saif was fired by Marvel and the company promised to remove the offensive references and reprints and traits of the issue. Inaki Miranda is from Spain. His most recent credit is the DC 100-page giant Wonder Woman. Yes, I got that one. Very nice. Mm. And Pere Perez is from Spain. I couldn't find much about him. His most recent credit is Marvel Comics number 1001 and Valiant Comics Archer and Armstrong. Mm. Jesus Saiz is also from Spain. Now, I first encountered his work on DC Comics Manhunter title. Now, that's the Kate Spencer version, which I thought was really, really magnificent. He's also done work for DC's uh, New 52 Swamp Thing, Marvel's Doctor Strange, and Star Wars Doctor Alpha, which is a really, really good title, and that's Mm. one I enjoy as well. Diego Olmos is also from Spain. Unfortunately, I couldn't really find any credits for him. Mm. Now, over on Amazon.com, this has a rating of 4.6 stars out of 5, based on 7 ratings. And over on Goodreads.com, this has a rating of 3.8 stars out of 5, based on 897 Mm. ratings and 57 reviews. But naturally, you will want to stay tuned to hear Jerry's awesome (laughs) recap and just what we think of this book. And with that, I shall turn it back over to you, Jerry. Thanks, Chris. So we're going to talk about the story after a few messages from some of our friends. Greetings, Gothamites. Lane here, asking... Does the world really need another Batman podcast? Well, of course it does, he's Batman. However, rather than tackle Batman in comic books, movies, or television, my podcast, Batman Books, The Dark Knight and Prose, will follow the caped crusader via the written word, where the only pictures are those formed in the imagination. Each season, I choose a different book to delve into, and each episode dives deep into a few chapters at a time. So join me as I explore the streets of Gotham between the covers of novels and novelizations in Batman books, The Dark Knight and Prose. Welcome back. 
Here is the story of Birds of Prey, the Death of Oracle. So there's one main Death of Oracle story, and there are two minis. So first up, Death of Oracle. Calculator is in his Gotham high-rise office with Savant, a ponytailed snitch that has info on Oracle's location. Savant says he hates Oracle because she let Calculator do bad things to him. Barbara Gordon is in her wheelchair, cleaning up the neighborhood around her hideout, and she gets an assist from Batman. The two go up into her new lair. It's in a glass tower overlooking Gotham. Guarding the door is her assistant, Alexander Creote. Barbara tells Batman that tonight, Oracle dies. Uh-oh. She also introduces Savant, who she asks if Calculator believed his snitching. He isn't sure. Calculator has a new soup in his employ, Mortis, a veiled woman who makes people fully face some of the horrible things they have done in the past just by touching them. And to this point, you know, they sometimes will jump out of the window. They're so horrified by their choices. So Huntress, Lady Blackhawk, Black Canary, and Dawn, also known as Dove, are in a male strip club for Dawn's birthday. The strip club is attacked by bad guys, including a big one named Mammoth and an electric guy named Current. Unfortunately, Dove passed out because of the beer she drank. They fight, and Dove eventually comes around. They fight some more, but Mammoth is just too big. And also, Mortis shows up and asks which one of them is Oracle. Uh Uh-oh. Dove says that she is Oracle. Calculator wants Oracle because she's infected him with a virus that gives him terrible headaches. He had done terrible things to Barbara, and she deleted his memory of her identity from his mind, which is giving him the headaches. Oracle has comms on the team in the club and trusts them to deal with the problem. Things start going south, and Batman heads out to help. Oracle asks him to take a dive at the end, as she says. At the club, there's much fighting. Batman arrives and helps the birds. They start to do pretty well when Mortis takes off her glove and touches Dinah, who then goes into a trance, experiencing all of the tragic and awful things in her life. So what has started out as Oracle's trap has now turned against the birds. The baddies leave with Dove, Huntress, and Zinda as their prisoners. Batman takes Black Canary back to Oracle's place. Hawk shows up at Oracle's, too, and is angry that Dawn has been taken hostage. Inside the hallucination, Black Canary is able to overcome the spell she's under. The birds are taken to Calculator, and Mortis collapses and twitches terribly. Calculator realizes that Dinah must have broken out of the spell. Calculator goes to kill Zinda, and Dove transforms and breaks out of the cuffs and kicks some Calculator butt. She beats up some baddies, but Calculator puts a gun to Zinda's head and tells her to stop. A helicopter appears overhead, and Oracle's voice tells them to leave the birds alone, and then opens fire. Calculator, Current, and some of their guys cower behind a van. Current blasts the helicopter with electricity, and it blows up. Calculator declares his headache is gone, and Oracle must be dead. So there's more fighting, but the cuffed birds are no match for the baddies. Though Calculator does get bloodied, and he's kind of a whiny baby about it, which makes his guys think a lot less of him. He is pretty useless out in the field, and his attempts to assert his authority make him look small. Huntress tells Calculator that killing Oracle doesn't end her influence on Gotham. 
he has now angered all the meta heroes, including Superman. Great. Calculator realizes that he can't let any of them live to tell what happened. Huntress taunts him and asks him if he even has the guts to shoot her in the back. Calculator's guys snicker, and he fires kind of a photon torpedo out of his gun, And but Dove leaps in front of the blasts, and she's down. Mortis begins to come out of her trance. She says, they have to run. Good advice. Black Canary shows up and socks Calculator in the mouth. There is fighting. And Canary uses her newly found JLA skills to lay down a beating on the baddies. Hawk arrives and fights Mammoth. Things are going badly, so Calculator gets current to get him out of there. They leave in a van, but Huntress and Zinda jump on the back. The birds handle the rest of the guys with an assist from Batman. Turns out Barbara wasn't really flying the helicopter. Hawk was. And he survived the blast. Now everyone thinks Oracle is dead. Oracle stops helping good guys all across the world to continue the charade. She delegates her old tasks to others. She believes Oracle is more effective in the shadows. Huntress and Zinda get current to stop the van and get Calculator in the back. Huntress tells him that he will be hunted by all of her allies. They let him go so he will tell everyone he killed Oracle. Catwoman finds Huntress and Black Canary on a rooftop and asks if Oracle is really dead. They say yes. Selina says they are terrible liars and takes off into the night. So the next story is Which Reason Knows Not Of. There's a heist of some Egyptian artifacts from a museum and the four robbers went in separate directions and one took a hostage. The hostage volunteered. She is Mimi Ardrayan, an assistant curator for the exhibit. Mimi has asthma and sinusitis and needs her inhaler so she might die. Huntress chases one of the one of the baddies down and gets an assist from her old beau Catman, also known as Thomas Blake. Now, for those of you who don't know, Catman is kind of like Dick Grayson level hot at this point. He used to be heavy set, but he uh, he trimmed down and he looks uh, he looks pretty hot. So Catman is a pretty vicious with this guy, and they try to get info on who planned the heist, but the guy doesn't know. He says he got the job from his old cellmate Ricky Lowlife. So Huntress and Catman kiss, and Catman gets slapped for his trouble. Huntress asks him why he's around, and he says he wanted to see her. She tells him that if he wants to hang around, he should be useful and help her find the other three robbers. He does, and no one can track like Catman. They find Ricky Lowlife's apartment. He's holed up with his pregnant girlfriend. There's fighting, and Ricky doesn't seem to care too much about his girl's safety as it pertains to bullets. Also, Catman punches her in the face, knocking her out. Huntress hits him in the shoulder with a crossbow bolt. Ricky doesn't know the leader of the gang, but one of the other robbers is his cousin, Marky. So now they go looking for Marky. Catman uses his sick tracking skills to find his hiding place. They find Marky in an abandoned factory. The hostage is there and alive, and when she wakes up, she thinks Catman is one of the baddies. Huntress puts the crossbow to Catman's head. She realizes that he is the one in charge of the heist. When the hostage saw his green eyes, she recognized him. Huntress lets him go, but wants the loot. Catman says that when his son was kidnapped, something broke inside of him. He asks for help, but she refuses. Catman goes back to his place, and Deadshot tells him that he should have brought her candy and roses. And the final story. 
Huntress and the Question, Renee Montoya, head into the Gotham sewers to stop a drug-for-weapons buy. There are cops involved, so Renee is particularly angry. Zinda goes to an office building to meet with a Mr. Tripe, who has some bad ladies as bodyguards. With Zinda is Dawn Granger, also known as Dove, Black Canary, also known as Dinah Lance, and as the driver, Hank Hall, also known as Hawk. Alone in the elevator with an aged tripe, uh, Zinda kisses him and tells him she's being blackmailed. She was an escort before she married her rich husband, and someone knows. Could he make the blackmailer disappear? Now, this is just her story as she's trying to get into the building. Now, while this is going on, the ladies of the crew head down into a labyrinth of elevator shafts while Hank stays behind and flirts flirts with the secretaries. Huntress and the Question arrive at the drug and weapons buy. They fight the dirty cops. The Question gets shot and falls into the gross sewer water. Don't float away, Renee. Huntress lays a beating on the killers, but luckily Renee is okay. The dirty cops say they want to be killed. Back in the elevator, Tripe refuses Zinda's advances. He is dying. Tripe's two bad ladies put guns to the head of Hank the chauffeur and ask where his friends are. Black Canary and Dove make it to the basement. It is an empty, freaky place with a trunk in the middle of it. They go to investigate the trunk. Tripe tells Zinda who his boss is. The dirty cop tells Huntress in the question who is behind their crimes. In the basement, the trunk opens. It is Alexa Deborah Merkel, daughter of Ragdoll, known as Junior, and she is a bad lady. Junior had captured Catman and totally freaked him out in the past. Junior had brutally run a West Coast syndicate and is freaky dangerous. Huntress then the question realized the trouble that Black Canary and Dove are in and head to their assistance. Junior emerges from the trunk. She's hooded and has scissors as weapons. Her fighting style is so strange that Canary and Dove have a lot of trouble with her, and Dove gets a scissor in her back. Back in the elevator, Tripe wasn't fooled by Zinda's scam. He slaps her. What is she looking for? He gives the order to kill the chauffeur. uh, chauffeur. (laughs) Hank hawks up, but the floor is wired for electricity, and he gets shocked. Luckily, that only makes him mad. Dinah hits Junior with a canary cry, which buys her some time to get the wounded dove out of the basement. Oracle calls Catman and tells him that Junior is on the loose and she needs info about her. Catman says the only weakness Junior has is that she hates to be seen. Huntress and the Question are on the roof of the building and get shot at by a helicopter. Huntress jumps onto it and takes it over. Zinda, in the elevator, headbutts Tripe. Canary faces Junior, and Oracle gets on the electrical grid and turns on the lights, which freaks Junior out. Huntress arrives and kicks Junior's butt. They get Dove back to Oracle's place. Oracle puts Huntress in charge of the team in the field, replacing Black Canary. Dinah hasn't been the same since her divorce, but she understands. The birds realize that Junior is still at large, and Barbara says that she is going to have to pay for hurting her birds. The end. So, Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for this story after these words from some of our friends. Hello. Do you enjoy movie scores? 
Do you like science fiction? Do you like fantasy? And do you like movies? Uh, uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What happened? Uh, hit a slight weapons malfunction, but uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? Well, I have a podcast for you, Soundtrack Alley. It's a podcast where I take you on a journey through the time of my childhood and beyond to give you a glimpse into the world of movies, science fiction fantasy, and other films that touch me on a personal level. You'll also enjoy interviews from film composers from famous movies from the past or even current times. Enjoy the interaction I have with guests on my show every so often, and check out other shows that share in guest spots. So sit back, relax, and let the soundtrack world wash over you, and check out Soundtrack Alley. You'll love it. Welcome back. All right, Chris, what'd you think? Well, Jerry, great job with the recap. You oh, did a magnificent job with uh, so many things to uh, unpack there, and i, I got to applaud you for that. Oh, thanks. Uh, first off, before I forget, within my notes, I also forgot to mention that uh, Stanley uh, Archer Law did a number of ca- uh, ca- covers, <laughs> excuse mm. me, for this one, which were really, really good and very well rendered. I know he's something of a very hot artist right now with respect to covers and cover variants. So if you are into his artwork, you may want to uh, dig for some of the back issues that he did here. Mm. And maybe you'll find them reasonably priced, and I think they're very, very uh, gorgeously rendered. Mm. Wow. When we get to this, I was very looking forward to it because these are characters that I really like. It's a title that I really like. Mm-hmm. It's a writer that I generally really like, and I wasn't really sure with the artwork how this would all blend. I have to applaud for Simone with some of the prose first off. Uh, she has a good sense of characterization. She has a great sense mm-hmm. of character voice. I really like that she incorporates some of the history and with characters like Ragdoll. And I like that she basically transformed from Catman from being sort of like a forgotten uh, CD luster Batman villain to somebody who's really got some intriguing depth. And I like mm. that. Um, the Catman was, uh, I digress, but he was, he was a character that we like to use in some of the Batman RPGs that we did. And uh, I think mm. he was sort of, uh, something about that character that had some depths and some levels and really needs some exploring instead yeah. of just the two dimensions that he, he could have wound up with. That said, I, I, I kept on, waiting for the bar to be raised a little bit. I think I came in with some higher expectations based on uh, the creative talent and creative team here. Mm-hmm. These were all very good stories. This was like getting a very, very nice, uh, good box of chocolate sampler, if you will, and each each having some really good stuff here. But I, I, I wanted to kind of be knocked out of the park, and I mm. don't think I was quite knocked out of the park. That said, I don't want to say that this was bad by any means it was very very good in places i, I like the voices i think the uh death of oracle storyline kind of went a little long uh, mm-hmm. and it was a little overblown here and there but overall this was self-satisfying and a very 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 good to 
very fine read for me. Mm-hmm. And those were my initial thoughts and impressions. Uh, I think you've got some things in your notes that uh, we can uh, play a good exchange with. So what were you thinking first, Jerry? Well, the first thing was I'm, I was still wondering who Batman was, right? Is it Dick or is it Bruce? So it's Bruce. But, you know, with the multiple Batmans roaming around Gotham, it was kind of a surprise. And, and Batman was a little bit, a little more touchy-feely than generally he usually is. So um, I was taken aback a little bit. But once I realized that in this story, Batman is going to be Bruce, you know, that was fine. I'll be very glad when when we get out of this time uh, so we can figure out, you know, we can stick with one Batman at a time. Yeah, Jerry, there was one panel here where we see basically – uh, there's a whole, and what I liked about doing this, this is good and very reader friendly because whenever mm-hmm. you see a character introduced, you basically get a little uh, text piece yeah. next to said character, who this is, what their respective powers are, and everything else like that. There was one where there was like a, this big wide panel where we saw an array of heroes, mm-hmm. and you saw their names, mm-hmm. and you saw Batman Dick Grayson, and then you saw another one, Batman Bruce Wayne, and yeah. it's like, what? That's sort of like a head scratcher there. So, <laughs> yeah, for somebody, uh, but I, I really liked how that played out. So, I will say that. This is kind of a good, friendly, quote-unquote, for beginner book, if you will. Yeah, I thought so. Um, I I thought that Hawk and Dove here were kind of interesting. I really like particularly Dove. I think she's a really good character. She's very – she's – kind of sacrifices herself whenever she thinks her friends are in trouble. Um, so the, on the one hand, she's a very, you know, you, you really root for, her. uh, she seems very soft, but everybody is like, wow, can she fight? Uh, she's like an awesome fighter. She does because of how she, um, presents herself and how she kind of sacrifices herself. She does usually end up needing to be carried out of fights. Um, but that's just because she really puts herself out there. Um, she's got a great heart. Um, so, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm not too, too familiar with Hawk and Dove. I've seen them in a couple of things, but I, I really like them, uh, here in this one. Uh, you mentioned the, uh, you know, the characters in the backgrounds and who their, what their names are and what their, uh, superhero name is. Um, you know, I, I really didn't need it for these characters because I'm pretty familiar with them, but it was, a, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, hey, you don't need a hood or- ornament on a Mercedes either, but it sure is fun to have it. <laughs> uh, so that I think, you know, overall, I, I've always loved Gail Simone's Birds of Prey. Um, this one though, I never read and I don't know, this is just a gap in, in the reading. Um, and it's really one of my favorite teams. So, you know, I think, you know, as I talk about this, uh, you know, folks have got to kind of, you know, keep that in mind. I am really predisposed to loving, uh, the team. I agree with, um, Death of Oracle. It was a little overdone. It was a little too long, could have been tightened up. It was a little, um, you know, Oracle was like, oh, yeah, when something goes really bad, you're like, oh, no, we're there in big trouble. And Oracle's like, yeah, I meant that to happen. That was part of the plan. And, you know, it was a little bit that happened a couple of times and maybe a little bit too much. Um, but, uh, I just kind of, I kind of like the fact that, you know, Oracle has this really complicated plan, uh, though I could see how it could be a little aggravating. There are some kind of questionable art. Uh, in some of the arts, I think Penguin has a very small bit here and he is done really cartoony, kind of over the top. Um, uh, current is, is funny and I think he's got some kind of interesting facial expressions. Um, he makes these, uh, off the cut comments, which is humorous and he's got a red onesie super suit. Uh, so he looks kind of interesting. 
And there was also a little bit of a reference to identity crisis. So, you know, what Barbara did to Calculator was similar to what happened in Identity Crisis. And, you know, it didn't turn out too well there, did it, Chris? No, and that's a good call, Jerry, because, yeah, there were numerous uh, call-outs in this, and I have to, again, applaud Simone with her history. Yeah. There was also one where Dinah's having the flashbacks. We see the uh, horrific scene from the uh, my girl book, The Longbow Hunters, yeah. where uh, she was uh, brutally attacked. And yeah. uh, just the way it was sort of rendered, you know, this was a touch point. You, you knew if Dinah's going to be put through this trauma, just mm-hmm. what is going to be depicted here. And I, I thought how it was handled was was very uh, well done. It wasn't over, you know, too much, but mm-hmm. it just kind of gave that uh, one panel that up. Oh, there's the there's that touch tone reminder. Yeah. Uh, the flashback with Speedy uh, was was really good because we get a callback to the uh, O'Neill and Adams drug issue stories where mm-hmm. you know she Ollie wasn't around and, and Dinah was there to kind of basically help him out, yeah. you know, through that troubled period. So uh, really good touchstones with respect to that. And it kind of gives a call out to the character history and maybe some fodder for future uh, exploration with reading. Yeah. It would have been nice to see, you know, to put it in context for somebody else. Oh, where, where did this happen? Where did that happen? We right. really don't know. But if you're familiar with these characters and their history, you know where it happened uh, for a beginner and a newbie. They might not be familiar with, but mm-hmm. uh, hopefully they could figure that out. Yeah. And I don't think it would have, you know, it, it wouldn't have interfered with their enjoyment of the story. Um, Agreed. Uh, so I think it was done really well. There was also a scene where Batman and Black Canary were fighting together kind of back to back. And Huntress is just like looking at them like that is a thing of beauty, you know, seeing those two amazing fighters working together. Uh, that was pretty cool. But overall, you know, there, the art is inconsistent. The um, There's this one scene where Hawk kind of takes a swing at Batman and it it almost looks like this one panel or two was done by another artist or by another artist's, you know, teenage son or something. I mean, it was really stiff and awkward. Um, but then we get a lot of humor. We see Barbara in a wheelchair and she's got bunny slippers on. So I like that. Um, yeah, you mentioned Catman. Really interesting character. Um, I've seen him in a couple of things and uh, he's always pretty interesting. I saw him in – he was in – um, Secret Six, which yes. in Gail Simone's kind of, it was kind of an ill-fated run. It didn't really um, do too well. Um, there were some production problems, I think, but um, that one had Catman and Ragdoll as good guys on the team. And I don't want to spoil out who else was in it, but there were some other characters in it. And it was, uh, I enjoyed that, uh, that run, but there were some, some problems with it. Um, and here we also see Renee Montoya. Uh, who is the question? And we covered her turning into the question on this show, I guess, a couple of months ago, I guess. Um, and, you know, Gail Simone, the other thing is she's just got all kinds of humor. Um, Huntress and the question go to help, you know, when they go to help to, to fight Junior. Uh, the question says to her, Oh, this is our first date. And, and, um, uh, Huntress says, shut up, nerd. And I just, you know, Gail Simone has just such a, I like her sense of humor and her understanding of these characters. And that's really strong for me. Um, you know, the, the birds of prey are just really a core part of, you know, if, if you like Bat Family, uh, stories, you know, I know we've covered a lot of, uh, Red Robin stuff with Tim Drake and, you know, uh, Stephanie Brown. If you haven't been reading or have never re- read Birds of Prey or aren't familiar with these characters, definitely check out Gail Simone's, Simone's run on them. Um, it's really, I think it's very accessible 
And uh, it's just another aspect of the Bat family, kind of the extended Bat family, that I think is really, really cool. Um, and, you know, with Zinda, Zinda's th- with them a lot. And I don't know how often Hawk and Dove are with him. I'd have to go back and, and re- do a little reread. But I sure thought this was fun. So, yeah, uh, that's what I thought about this. What, would you rate this? How would you rate this, Chris? Well, Jerry, yeah, you know, uh, just to, before I get there, a few other things that I had in my notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zinda is a, a magnificent character. Yeah. And I, I always like to see her inclusion whenever there's a Birds of Prey story. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, she's, she's just uh, so gung-ho and she, she's, uh, <laughs> you know, walking around. She she hasn't changed her look any because why, yeah. why have to, you know, just yeah. out there with the, you know, Classic. Uh, skirt and the boots and out running out there and kicking butt. You know, that, that's that's just an awesome character. Yeah. Uh, I also want to mention, you know, if there are huge fans of uh, the question character, uh, mm-hmm. just I, I, I kind of, you know, I don't want to cheat here, but I kind of want to just kind of mention the current Lois Lane miniseries, uh, maxi series rather. Go, go out and uh, look for that, and uh, I, I don't think you'll be disappointed there. Right. And Jerry, you mentioned Catman. Yeah, uh, it's so good to see this character, you know, yeah. be explored. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. You know, back in the day, his shtick used to be, well, he had a cape, you know, and this magic cape gave him nine lives, so he could, you know. Uh, do whatever he wanted and he'd always risk his life and he'd still do this cat motif you know mm-hmm. the thing you know and in the animated uh comic uh, version the, you know he was sort of like a lothario you mm-hmm. know just basically you know trying to uh be a little swarmy and everything like that i love the way and, and kudos to simone for just really uh elevating yeah. and having some fun with this character i think she has fun with all the characters that I she do. gets yeah. to do and i, I think that's really really good Okay, so I'm coming to the rating. Ah, man, you know, I I think I wanted to like this a lot more than it it, it than it actually was mm-hmm. when the dust cleared. Uh, this may maybe not in a, like an event. You know, there's no quote unquote eventiness mm-hmm. going on here. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to be. Uh, I, did I get an enjoyable comic? Oh, certainly did. I most mm-hmm. certainly did. Uh, was it a masterpiece? No. Uh, so this is certainly above average material, and I'm kind of trying to see if I'm going to go maybe... I was toying between a three and a three and a half on this. I, I hate to be harsh, but I'll probably say this is a three out of a five for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really like the characters. I think some of the artwork kind of brought it down a little bit mm-hmm. with what you mentioned. I, I think, you you know, Gillum March, who I really like, I think he's... He, overall, I like that chapter with the artwork the best, but I think he's the one that did that weird depiction of Penguin, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. I, I don't, I, I could be mistaken. Like I said, I want to clarify that, but I think that was the one where the art was done there. Yeah, artwork was kind of inconsistent, yeah. and I, I think that's what kind of hampered this overall thing for me. One of the pros was, I said it, said it before, I'll say it again, I think this is very, very reader-friendly. I think mm-hmm. a lot of likable characters, and the way Simone tells a story with just setting it up and you feeling vested in the characters. It's, it's wonderfully written. Yeah. It's wonderfully written. But that said, I, I don't think uh, it's a must read, but I certainly would recommend it. And I will give this a three out of five. Jerry, yeah. what is your rating? Would you say it's a must read? And would you recommend it? <laughs> so I'm going to come in at a four on this. Uh, so I love the birds of prey. Uh, this is, this is like written for me. Um, it would be higher, but you know, the art issues were a little bit much and, and the, oh, you know, the Oracle saying, Oh, uh, I meant that to happen. That's all part of the plan. That was a little eh, touchy, but otherwise it would have been higher. But, um, this was a very enjoyable read for me. 
I, I would, is it a must read? It depends how you kind of, um, define that. You know, I don't think anything happens here that is, you know, crucial to your understanding about the, the bat family. But, you know, if you're a new, uh, bat fan, uh, new to bat books, uh, I think that any of these Gail Simone Birds of Praise stories, uh, are pretty accessible. I think they fill out if you're not simply looking at it for fighting, if you're really looking for a little bit of drama, some interpersonal relationship building, I think, you know, definitely, um, take a look at Gail Simone's Birds of Prey. This is really good stuff. Um, and you know, it definitely will expand your understanding of the bat family and the bat world. Um, I really like Batman in here too. So, um, yeah, I had a whole lot of fun with the story. So yeah, four O. and I would say, yeah, read it. And I would definitely recommend it. Good deal. Yeah. Well, that's all we have on this story. So we just wanted to mention a couple of things. Now, Chris, you do some other things outside of this. You can find you on Twitter at BTO and Bat Books. And you're also reviewing Batman Adventures and doing a shipper spotlight on Batgirl to Oracle. Tell us a little bit about that. Thanks so much, Jerry. Yeah, I'm on the Batgirl to Oracle podcast. Stella, yeah. who hosts the show, has done my segment. Chris's cornucopia of curiosities and i'm looking at that batman adventures comic book title from the mid-1990s which was based on the animated series of the same time mm. having a lot of fun with that i also have a segment within a segment called Nightwatch. that's where i look at the current title nightwing and i look at it from a shipper's perspective mm -hmm. having a lot of fun with it and it's been a blast and just to sort of give a tease stella has an anniversary uh, show coming up next month so be sure to check it out more details will be coming on social media Great. and it's going to be a big big spectacular the episode <laughs> for november has already dropped but uh got some big plans for the next episode Excellent. of to oracle be sure to check it out hey, thank you for the plug jerry jerry i know you can be found mm -hmm. at professor frenzy on twitter mm -hmm. But you do a few more things, too. There's yeah. another podcast you can be heard on that I do with you. And yeah. another one where you have an awesome segment covering some EC uh -huh. horror comics that I really, really have to commend you for because oh, that is like almost the pinnacle of horror. That is almost like the Cadillac, the, the beginning <laughs> of really good horror comics. You, you look at EC, and if you want to talk about some nice uh, a look at history, some classic uh, artist from comic book uh legends legends yeah. uh, that were working on this title back then and uh i, I commend you sir for covering oh, thank this you. jerry please the floor is yours please <laughs> talk about uh where the, the, the listeners can find you on twitter and what other projects that you have going on sure you can find me on twitter at professor frenzy and as you mentioned, Chris and I uh, are on the Professor Frenzy Show, and it's a podcast that we do on indie comics. So we, that comes out every week, every Wednesday. We're also producing another show called Memory Minute Monday, where we talk about nostalgic events from our past. And we have another show called Frenzy Peace Theater, where we cover a classic indie comic arc, and that drops on Sundays. Now, you mentioned the EC horror comic thing uh, that I do for Monster Kid Radio, which if you're a classic, old-fashioned, you know, Universal Hammer-style uh, horror movies, check out that uh, podcast, Monster Kid Radio. And on that, I have a segment called Professor Frenzy's Bedtime Stories, and I cover one classic EC horror story. So not the whole, um, not the whole issue, just one story from the issue. And we are now 
going to be putting that out on our main feed. And that's going to drop on Friday. So go out to uh, search for Professor Frenzy. And on Fridays, you can see the EC Horror Comics, uh, Professor Frenzy's Bedtime Stories. So check all our shows out. Uh, just do an iTunes search for the Professor Frenzy Show. And uh, yeah, we're having a lot of fun over there doing that stuff. Oh, absolutely. Hey, Jerry, we got some comments on our last oh, episode. Great. That was the one where we talked about uh, Azrael, Gotham Shall Be Judged. Oh, First yes. up, we heard from our good friend Green Lantern HG on yeah. Twitter at Green Lantern HG, and he said, Great episode, guys. Oh. This one I've never heard of. I haven't read every bad title out there, but I'm familiar with a lot of them. Hmm. But this one completely surprised me. Let the search begin. Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> good yeah, luck. That's, I think this one surprised us too, Jerry. Yeah, it sure did. I love that book. Yeah, it was a great book. We also heard from our good uh, friend and frequent commenter, and we can't thank him enough for chiming in as well. We heard from uh, Ian on Twitter at IBM Miller, and he said, You surprised me! Exclamation point. I shall have to track down these issues, (laughs) though it'll be very tricky, as Azrael at least is still not available on Comixology or DC Universe. Very odd. Thanks so much, Ian, for letting us know, and very odd indeed, Yeah, Yeah, considering the plethora of material that's out there. But yeah, I I think... uh, You'd be surprised, you know, with how how good these are. Yeah, I I, mm-hmm. I was really taken aback, and I'm I'm not an Ezreal fan, but that was a, that was a great trade. That Same here. When we covered, yeah, absolutely. We also had some likes and retweets on our past episode. We heard from our good buddy Clinton. Nice. You can find Clinton at Coffee and Comics, and that's on Twitter at Coffee Comics BLG. Also, want to plug his new show. He's got one there, and it's called Fan Film Fridays Podcast. Yeah. And Jerry, you were the first guest. Yeah. For the first episode, we heard from our good buddy Sean on the yeah, second, and it's really a fine good. fine show. And boy, I think he's, you know, I, I, I kind of did a cursory look for fan films. And boy, I, I almost went down a rabbit hole just, just <laughs> yeah. to see the Batman <laughs> fan films alone. Holy cow. I, I just I kind of was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to invest some time with that. Thankfully, there's a friend in Clinton that can uh, direct us to some of the cream of the crop that's yeah. out there. We heard from, oh, hey, we heard from Relatively Geeky at Relatively nice. Underscore Geek. Thank you so much, Professor Allen. Uh, let's talk about him for a moment. Uh, great podcaster, and he does a range of podcasts, including Short Box Showcase, mm-hmm. Quarterbin Podcast, mm. Comics Reading Journal, and more, including, and one he didn't listen here, the Doomcast. Now, yeah. Dr. Doom, at the time of this recording, has had the second issue has just dropped this past week, and I, I'm sure Professor Allen has got some things to say about it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, shout out to M, and if you want to hear some great podcasts, be sure to check out everything at Relatively Geeky at Relatively underscore Geek. Again, we heard from Green Lantern HG at Green Lantern HG. Thank you so much. We also heard from our friend Dave Lava nice. Hog at Lava Hog. Now, he's the creator of the podcast called Selling Out Show. Now, that's where him and Nate uh, just talk about some uh, past memories and some current topics. It's always an interesting show. <laughs> yeah, you can is. find them on Twitter at Selling Out Show. Love that stuff. Thank yep. you so much, Dave. And we heard from a new friend called uh, Diegwis from Management. <laughs> and that's <laughs> Diegwis Inc. Thank you so much. And that's everybody. If I overlooked you, my sincerest and deepest apologies. Let me know on Twitter at BTO and Batbooks or let Jerry know at Professor Frenzy. And we'll be sure to mention you on our next episode. Thanks, Chris. So we did want to mention to folks that um, this is episode 217 of Bat Books for Beginners. And we are nearing the end of this. So when this show was originally conceived by uh, the folks, the good folks at the Batman Universe.net, you know, they were 
figuring that this this show would take us up to Flashpoint, and we are getting close to Flashpoint. So the last episode uh, that Chris and I will be doing, Bat Books for Beginners, is episode 220, where we'll cover Flashpoint. So we just wanted to let folks know about that, that, you know, we, uh, we have uh, this episode and three more to the end of the show. So we've been, this has been so much fun, and we've learned so much, and we've read some great books, haven't we, Chris? We've read some great books, we've met some great friends, yeah, and we uh, sure it's have. been a magnificent ride, and it's gone by really, really fast. Yeah, it sure has. So that's all we have for today. Please join us next time, where Chris and I will cover Batman, The Black Mirror. Yeah. My name is Jerry. <laughs> and I'm Chris. <laughs> and thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. Shopping in the LCS for bad books, baby, yeah. What do you, what do you think I saw? Thousand trades can't tell good ones from bad. Someone, please, would you help? Help me learn the score. And you know how it is. So I went to download bad books for beginners. Where the cool kids go now. Chris and Jerry make good books, my.